0: I was actually in the toilet, and uh, Gunther sends me a message. I need you in the hospitality at the track as soon as possible. And I'm like, oh shit, I gotta fucking get ready quick. And, <laughs> like, either something good or something bad's gonna happen now. Cause for him to be like, you gotta come yeah. here as soon as possible. So I, I got to the track. He was there waiting for me in the hospitality, sitting down the table, and he had these papers on the table. He was like, listen, are you ready? And I said, yeah, I'm ready for anything. And he goes, no, Pietro, you gotta say, you're fucking born ready. <laughs> and I said, all right, Gunther, I'm, I'm fucking born ready. <laughs>
1: Ladies and gents, welcome back once again to Pit Stop. Oh, today's a great day, man. We've got a great guest. I think anyone at home watching who's a motorsport fan is going to know this guy. So, uh, blessed to have him in the flat.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a great episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Pietro Fittipaldi. <laughs> happy to be here. Thank you, guys. How you doing, brother? You
0: good? Yeah, very good. Uh, super happy we are able to connect. I just got back from, uh, from Japan a few days ago, and then we're off to... Qatar in a few days so it was good uh good to come by over here yeah man I'm glad
2: we managed to get it in I saw you in Japan you were filming with Will Buxton you were on F1 mics.
0: yeah so F1 TV sometimes uh depending on the race they invite me to do the the post-race show and some stuff in between the practices and qualifying so I was there with Will I always try to uh do what he does you know he's super yeah, good yeah. on tv and stuff he's so that, it's always he?
1: exciting yeah. how yeah. is that for you like doing that in front of a camera
0: i mean honestly i, I like it a lot uh because when i'm there as a reserve driver throughout the race weekend sometimes there's not so much to do mm. so if they're able to you know get me on you know to do some tv work either on friday saturday or you know e- even sunday after the race it's uh it's always something else extra to do you know so i i, I always enjoy it
2: yeah because right now you're Haas reserve driver right yeah Great. So you have no idea. You go to all these race weekends, and sometimes you may never even put a race suit on or anything.
0: Yeah, some some race weekends. I mean, you arrive there and you do. You you basically follow the the, the weekend as if you were going to race. But by the time it gets to Saturday and the driver's is qualified, you're, yeah, it's yeah. over because hmm. after the driver qualifies the car. Even if, uh, let's say, they can't race on Sunday, kind of what happened what to happened to Lance, yeah. Lance yeah, um, yeah. you can't put another driver into the car. You can go straight into qualifying, but you can't go straight into the race. Right. So actually, in 2021, Nikita Mazepin got COVID. We were still doing the COVID test, and he had a COVID test, I think, on Friday, and he got his results Saturday night, and he was positive for COVID. And the team were like, oh, you might need to drive tomorrow on Sunday. But then they were looking at the rules and stuff. It's like, oh. you can't go straight into the race. Oh, mate, what a shame. Yeah, so so basically, yeah, throughout the race weekend, I'm there kind of following the schedule with the team. Uh, some of the stuff I do with the team as well is I do um, driver uh, data and, uh, like, onboard analysis. So just to keep me busy throughout the, the race weekend. So throughout the sessions, um, I'm with the engineers live, like, looking at uh, all the data between our drivers versus other drivers on the grid and between themselves and passing that info on to the race engineer like live throughout the session so from my driver's point of view of like where they can improve and stuff like that so that keeps me busy as well throughout the race weekend plus the f1 tv stuff which is cool are you kind of secretly hoping that like a driver bins it in practice or something so you can just (laughs) get in that seat because i'll be sitting there like man no honestly you're doing it because you always hope for the chance that you'll be able to To race, which happened when you know Grosjean had his accident and stuff. Yeah. Um. But you know, yeah. I mean, you never. Maybe a crash. No. But if the guy eats, you know, some some, you know, dodgy food on Friday, and you get to hop in. I'll be going around chucking that. I'm winning this weekend. You never know what can happen, so you you always got to be ready. So yeah.
2: Yeah. We're all 27 years old, all three. Oh, really? Okay. When
0: were you guys born? 96
2: February. 95 I oh, remember
0: okay. yeah. You? I'm June 96.
2: June. Nice. So we all have very different lives, but yeah. I want to go <laughs> I want to hear your story like from the beginning because how on earth did you start in this racing world? I know you have the family legacy yeah. and everything with the name. But when did you first get in a car? Was there like a moment?
0: Yeah, so um when I the year I was born actually in 96 was the year my grandfather <clears throat> stopped racing because he had a big accident in Michigan and like broke his back and his neck and it was one of several accidents he had, so the doctors told him you have to stop racing. That was the year I was born. Um, so when I was growing up, my granddad wasn't racing, but I had two of my uncles racing, which was uh, Christian Fittipaldi and uh, Max Pappas, who was married to my mom's sister. And uh, I grew up watching them race, and they were racing like IndyCar. They were mm-hmm. racing uh, Grand Dam back in the day, which is what IMSA is now. So doing like the Daytona 24 hours and all mm-hmm. that type of stuff. So I, yeah, when I was a kid, I would go watch them, and uh, I would always go to the Daytona 24 Hours. It was my favorite race, because as a kid, uh, you, I would stay in the motorhome with them, like up all night. You know, I don't need to sleep because the 24-hour race, yeah, whatever, yeah. and you're doing stuff at like two, three in the morning with some other friends there in the in the paddock. As a kid, you know, and watching the cars go around. That's such a cool so, environment
1: to, yeah. to grow up. Yeah,
0: in. it's like you do the little camping thing outside the motorhome, and you know that kind of was my. Um, What I remember racing or racing from when I was a, you know, a kid, that's what kind of brought me into it. And then when I was four, my dad gave me my first go-kart. And it started with going, you know, like once every two months karting, you know, you go to the track. My dad would take me and then it became once a month, once a week, twice a week, three times a week. And then I started competing when I was around six or seven. And uh, and it basically went on from there. And this at the time we were uh, living in Miami. So I was born in Miami and raised there and uh yeah and all my carding and stuff we did in in florida
2: brad was miami as well wasn't it yeah you know brad right yeah so
0: i think brad um i never raced with him but i think it was my brother so my brother's five years younger than me yeah. enzo and i think it was uh, he would race with enzo yeah, and race in this, year, and this year and f2 together this year so a lot of the guys like in the in the u.s and even drivers from south america uh, they would come to Florida to do karting because there was a big uh, karting championship, which yeah. still exists, called the Florida Winter Tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all like the, let's say the Americas, they would come to to that championship. And that's where we know some of the other drivers.
1: Uh, this thing behind me is the thing that I'm, I'm so excited yeah. to hear your story, <laughs>
0: but I can't wait to see this.
1: One, because yeah. you know Brad already, but yeah. two, because you do a lot of stuff in the Haas Sim, right?
0: Yeah, so we do a lot of uh, simulator work. Yeah. Um that's something we do just as drivers to keep ready and as well to help develop the car. Um and me and my brother we stream a lot on uh on on Twitch and now on Kick. And uh we do a lot of virtual championships and races, so it's the F1 game. Yeah, a yeah. lot of Austria. Okay. I heard that's as what as well. I was gonna say. have seen
2: it, you're actually playing on the F one game on there, streaming, right?
0: Yeah, so we we play a lot in the F one game. We have okay. the the fitty series. It's like a championship and we get our Partners involved and we get some cool awards and stuff for everybody. Can we join that? Uh, for sure, <laughs> anytime, bro. We're <laughs> <beat bandwarkers, laughs> yeah. man. <mate>. It's fun. <laughs> no, but we do it with the chat. So people just come in and join. We get the best chat racers. Though the guys are pretty good. That'd be hilarious. And some we pro uh, esports it. guys in Brazil, and we always like uh, every time we're, we're back home for a couple of weeks, we do this championship. So we probably do it like three, four times a year and with like cool prizes and stuff so it's in the f1 game
2: it's cool <laughs> so. that you and your brother do that but it's also yeah. really cool that you have your youtube and the english version
0: yeah we that's have... <laughs> a really cool idea have yeah so know. we have the english uh, youtube version it's a Fittipaldi brother's uh, english channel and we're still trying to grow it uh because the the portuguese version is, uh, is yeah. it's big and we do a lot with it and and on tiktok most of our content there is english but like all the YouTube stuff is like behind the scenes and vlog stuff from our F2, F1 and uh, World Endurance Championship race weekends. And we do it in English too, um, but we're still trying to grow it. It's it's small still, but um, we put a lot of content out over there. That's great. Let's take it back to your story. So so you were karting every yeah. couple of weeks. Where did it go from there? Yeah, so I would say, you know, around when I was eight, uh, that's when you kind of start not, yeah, you. Competitively karting. I mean, you go to the local club race and stuff, and um, and it went on from there. And then, yeah, doing karting until I was fourteen. And uh, we never really had the, the funding to go race in Europe with mm. uh, carts or anything like that because everything in Europe is is seen as being, uh, I'd say, more professional in, in terms of like the karting environment, but a lot more expensive. So if you have the needs, you you go to Europe and you start racing karting over here but it's like the the budgets to race here are crazy and yeah. we were never able to do that so we always stayed local in the u.s and actually the the kids that we always race against in karting was uh my brother was always racing against logan Sargent. so he was always there um actually my brother's teammate in f2 zane maloney as well was oh, yeah, racing with yeah. my brother yeah, i was racing with uh logan's older brother dalton Sargent. So he didn't was even like, know he had a brother. I didn't even know yeah. An order. So what was he was like, was he good? He was very good. So we were like rivals in karting. There, it was me, Dalton, a guy that's in IndyCar now, uh, Kyle Kirkwood, uh, Oliver Askew, which used to race from McLaren IndyCar, mm-hmm. and um, Patricio Award. So a lot of those guys, a lot of guys that ended up, you know, ended up going pretty far in racing. We we're yeah, all yeah. racing locally together, like in Florida and stuff. Uh, so it's a small world. But basically, when I was fourteen. We were thinking about moving to to cars. Um, And like I said, we didn't have the sponsorship to go to Europe. So I said, let's go the NASCAR route. uh, Because NASCAR was, you know, was more affordable at the time uh, to start racing. And uh, I started racing late models, uh, which are these big uh, 500 horsepower NASCAR cars in in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I started doing well over there and ended up winning a championship when i was 15.
2: a man of short stature but you gotta remember dynamite comes in small packages as well my friends they Kia. might be borrowing a booster seat from dexter jr too that's true in the turn number one goes pietro to the to the outside just
0: on ovals just on ovals yeah. and short track oval racing so they're like quarter mile tracks right. like you do a lap in the uh, from like 15 seconds. Oh, wow. Other tracks are like 20 seconds. How fast do they go in the car? Dude, they're 500 horsepower cars. They're like big. They, they look exactly like the NASCAR Cup Series car. So like massive, 500 horsepower. So in that track, you probably get to like 115 miles an hour, 120. Wow. But if you go down the straight, you'll go to like 180, 200. Wow. It's 500 horsepower. It's like it's a proper little car. And I was 14, 15 racing. And I was racing against these guys who were in their 20s um because in NASCAR a lot of these guys own the cars and the races which is different from Europe they have prize money so you have like races where they would race and if you win the race you win like $50,000 okay so these guys were actually that's what they're like what they were making a living out of like mm. they would run the car themselves yeah. uh with a couple buddies or whatever and um but they were like super good cuz they're racing every race weekend and uh and they would make money off the prize money that they would win from from those races but i started racing that and uh, when i won the championship um i was really focused on just doing the nascar route my family moved to north carolina from miami Uh, my sister hated it because she had to leave all her friends and stuff my mom (laughs) too and they moved just because of my racing and uh it was gonna go you know the nascar route and i was finally able to get the the funding through the telmex program which is a a program uh, who funded uh, esteban gutierrez and sergio perez uh, mm. to formula one yeah um i know nothing about that by the way yeah so telmex is a telecommunications company uh. and it's owned by uh, carlos slim and he's um uh very like he's has a, a lot of passion for racing so his dream was always to get a mexican driver to formula one and one day be world champion so he funded esteban and, and sergio and some other mexican drivers He's involved in NASCAR, and when I won the championship, um, basically, he said, why don't you join the Telmex program? You'll be the first non-Mexican driver in the program, but I'll, I'll fund your racing, but right. it's not NASCAR. You'll have to go race in Europe. And then that's when I made You were it. like, okay. I was like, you I'll know what? Well, I'm, I'm going to go. So my family had just moved,
2: <laughs> and, then, they have and then I was
0: like, listen, we got to, you know, take this risk and go to Europe. So then I moved to the U.K., and uh, <laughs> I was 16. And I lived with uh, another Mexican racing driver who was part of the program, too. And I I raced here, uh, British Formula Renault, uh, British F4. So I I won the British Formula Renault championship. I won this uh, Asian F3 championship called the MRF and then the World Series uh, 3.5 championship. And then I got my chance uh, then with Haas and other things uh must have
2: been a pretty big change from nascar over to here though because in nascar doesn't let anything go like it's pretty wild yeah
0: it's very wild it was a massive change but like the team owners i was racing for in nascar it's a team called lee falk racing and um it was a dad and a son who ran it the dad was in his probably late 50s and the son in the 30s and uh they were, like, super uh, into, like, you have to be disciplined, and, like, oh, really? you, after the race, you're cleaning the car with us, mm. and you're taking the car apart. So I was able to learn, like, okay a lot from then, and um, a lot of things that I wouldn't learn here in, like, racing in Europe. Um, I was going to say. But really, like, southern american style That's you what know? I mean, Like the,
1: the people must be so different have you seen talladega nights dude it's
0: it's it's, it's just like that it's like that short track racing <laughs> i used to race at a track where i won the championship it was called hickory motor speedway it's one of the oldest nascar racing tracks in the u.s and it's still running and it's a small little track you just look up hickory motor speedway you can see and it's like probably yeah probably one of the oldest tracks in in the u.s if not the oldest and um I mean, you'd go there. The races were on Saturday night. The st- they would be filled, the grandstands with like at least four or five thousand people watching us race. Thirty of these late model cars in a quarter-mile track, so it's like constant racing and carnage, like wrecks happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. The first race I ever went to, um, there was a preliminary race before ours, so kind of like F2, the you yeah, know yeah. is F1. I was there watching, and the leaders uh, ended up crashing on in the last corner, last lap. The guy who got wrecked uh, got out of the car, uh, climbed on the hood of the other car as the other driver was climbing out and literally like karate chopped him... (laughs) like i swear to god this happened and this was the first race i ever went to watch and it was like my introduction to nascar short track racing man the guy climbed on the hood and as the guy was coming like climbing now he does like a double leg like jumps into the guy's neck oh i love god. that i, I might
1: yeah. be like by i don't know whether i'm biased or not but i think f1 needs a bit more of that <laughs> dude i think so on, too bro. man it's like, like ice hockey you know when they beat the shit out of yeah, each and other
0: and then once the drivers start fighting then it's like the teams then fight with each other you know because it's like the drivers are finding the teams there's always police at the races and the police gets involved (laughs) but it's like local police you know so it's like they're they're in with it you know so they let it run for a bit for the show so that's how I got introduced to uh southern NASCAR uh (laughs) racing but that's what I I learned kind of car racing from I did karting in Florida but what I got into, introduced to car racing, was was with that, and then I came to to the UK. Wow, <laughs> it, was, it was a different route. Yeah. What a story, though. I love yeah. that. That's really cool.
2: And you, so you moved straight to the UK, here?
0: Yeah, so I moved to um, a town called uh, Camberley. It's in, uh, in in Surrey. Okay. And uh, I was 16 at the time, and I, I was living with my teammate, which was a Mexican driver, part of the Tumex program too, and uh, and yeah, we're living together. He was a bit older than me, but I was kind of not thrown in the deep end, but I came in here. My dad stayed with me the first couple of weeks. And then it was just me and my teammate, uh, Diego, living in, in, a, in a house, which was actually a family friend's uh, office. It's like an office house. Yeah. And then they moved to a building, but they, they kept the, the office house because it was like kind of a lucky chart for them because they became very successful. And they had a couple of their employees living there. And they said, you, you and Diego can live over here. So we were living in this house and uh, yeah, it was it was interesting, very crazy, but <laughs> I got to learn a lot I didn't know how to cook or anything, so, or do any of that stuff. I was always living so with my much. parents, so. Yeah, um, we hear that a lot, don't yeah. we?
2: Drivers come on here, they say, because a lot of people had similar stories and then they're put through the same path of having to learn everything themselves.
0: Yeah, because it's things that when you're 16, I mean, you're living at home, at least I had the luxury, like my mom was, uh, you know, was always at home cooking and doing all the stuff that... When you're growing up, you don't even think about, I'm going to have to put my clothes in the laundry machine. Like, I never mm. even turned the thing on. Like, I was, four, you know, 15. I we never still do that. don't know how to, how to turn it yeah. on. No idea. So, you yeah. learn that when you when you, you come and, you know, you end up living on your own. So, then you see the, the privileges you had when you had your, your parents taking yeah. care of you. I think mm. you appreciate it a little bit more. You must grow up so quick. In yeah. the space of, like, a year, all of a sudden, you learn all this new shit and you're like, wow. Yeah, I think you do. You mature a lot faster and... I think then every time I go back home, like through the off season, uh, then I I think you you appreciate things that uh, maybe before you didn't, you know. So
2: you've raced in ovals as well, though. Have you IndyCar ovals? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the NASCAR stuff was all ovals, and then uh, in IndyCar as well, I did the Indy 500 and uh, and uh, yeah. So I've, I've I have a good uh, oval uh, background. I think I'm the first. Guy that started with NASCAR and ended up driving uh, or racing in Formula One. Oh, really? There's been like F1 to NASCAR with like Juan Pablo Montoya mm. and even my, my both my uncles raced NASCAR. But uh, there's never been a NASCAR, uh, let's say, sanctioned champion to then go from NASCAR to then uh, F1. So that's, someone told me that so i was like oh this is pretty cool stat yeah right there in the instagram bio. yeah oh. <laughs> NASCAR to f1 yeah. i think nascar is <laughs> wicked but we don't know much
1: about never it. never watched it to be honest with you don't yeah. I, it's kind of hard to get it on the tv over here
0: yeah it is it is but it's a cool cool event i i recommend going to daytona 500 obviously and then as well there's a, a race called uh in bristol a bristol night race which is a short track here uh, no, so it's the oh, same sorry. name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's Bristol, well. and uh, <laughs> I think it's in Tennessee. Oh, okay. And um, it it's like a like a football stadium, basically, because the grandstands are like massive in this little track and like you when you're on the grandstands watching it feels like you're like on top of the track yeah that's Uh, sick it's like an nfl stadium with the racetrack in the middle it's pretty cool
1: cool. where we grew up we had arlington
0: didn't we? arlington yeah. so like arlington
1: speedway it was tiny you know you could probably fit like 500 people there there wasn't really grandstands or anything (laughs) it still goes now but uh, that's probably the the closest thing that i can imagine to going to see nascar because it's it's small you're right up front with the cars and like you got pieces of rubber coming through yeah. the thing and hitting you in the face and that and you can smell it. Oh, That's uh, really cool. it's they, do the,
2: they do the caravan racing as well. <laughs> yeah. They really <laughs> have a car <laughs> put in a the caravan. They don't call
1: it, they? they call it stock car racing the other yeah. stuff, didn't they? <laughs> so <laughs> like I think anyone can compete like you can just you put a roll cage in your car and, and you're you going. Just go smash it up, yeah. Now
0: did they sell fried oreos though?
1: Fried, fried oreos. Fried
0: oreos, bro. No. Yeah, at Hickory Motor Speedway, they got oh. the best fried oreos. <laughs> what, are they in, like a batter? Dude, yeah, they get Oreos and they just put I've it never in the heard frying oil. Yeah. Sounds, I've had a battered Number Mars bar. Number one bestseller. Have you tried
1: a, a battered Mars bar? No. <laughs> Is it good? They're good, man. <laughs> 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 go to a, like a chippy in yeah. the UK. <laughs> bring, you have to bring the Mars
0: bar. Oh, and they'll. <laughs> but they'll do it for you. It's <laughs> unreal. Jesus. It's unreal.
2: Would you ever be interested in going back to NASCAR?
0: Yeah, I would, honestly. I, I, I really like NASCAR racing, I like Oval racing. And as well, going back one day to race in IndyCar, you know, it's always been a dream of mine as well to race full-time in IndyCar. So um, that's something uh, that I, I'd always be, be open to doing.
2: But at this point in your career, you are with Haas. Yeah. So, so is, is that like a every race thing?
0: Yeah. So I, I, I go to basically this year out of the 23 races, I've, I'm going to attend uh, 18. Okay. And um, the other races I don't go is because it clashes with uh, what I'm racing in WEC, in the World Endurance right. Championship. So I'm racing with an English team. It's called uh, Team Jota. And they're a very successful team in, in endurance racing. And uh, so, yeah, when I have clashes with other racing commitments, then I'm able to, uh, yeah, uh, go do my racing and miss those events. That's with, nice with that, Haas, that you yeah. can do that. Was the goal always to, to get a full-time F1 seat? Yeah, the goal was, that was always the goal. Yeah. Um, but that goal was always, you know, very difficult. Because if you think about it in Formula 1, there's only 20, yeah. 20 race seats, right? And not every year um, a driver, you know, gets out of a seat and a new one comes in. So if you think about it, maybe, let's see on a good year, maybe three or four four maximum drivers get replaced with new guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say even four is a bit optimistic. And, uh, yeah, and you'd think maybe there's seven or eight reserve drivers. So in total, there's like 28 roles mm-hmm. as driver in Formula One and you're competing with. So many other drivers trying to get in. Mm. Um, so I think uh, that's why it's, you know, that's always been the goal and the dream, but it is always very, very difficult to, to make it to Formula One. And that's still the goal now? Like it could, it could still happen, you know? No, it could still happen. Obviously, it's, uh, it's difficult. I mean, I, I raced two races in Formula One in 2020 when uh, Roman had his accident. I've been with the team now for, it's my fifth season. And uh, I do, you know, a lot of the testing for the team and the development. And that's something that as a driver, I've been able to, to learn a lot from. Yeah. Um, but for sure, the goal with myself is one day to, to race full time in, in Formula One. Mm. Um, but I know the position I am in my career now too, I've been doing very well in endurance racing as well. So there's opportunities for me next year, you know, to do um, uh, keep racing in endurance racing, which is it's pretty exciting nowadays with the new hypercar class, uh, with Ferrari, Toyota, Porsche, BMW, all in it. Um, and if I can keep my, you know, do that and still keep my role as reserve driver in Formula One, that's something that, uh, that I'd be open to doing, but for sure, if there's ever the opportunity to go race full-time in F1, I mean, yeah. any driver would, would take that any day. So
2: mm. when you stepped into that F1 car because of Grosjean's crash and you had them two races, did you feel ready for it? Cause that must've been a pretty big, like you're in,
0: yeah. you're up. So it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. Um, because that year was the COVID year. Um, I was planned to race in Super Formula in 2020 in Japan. And uh, because of COVID, that uh, ended up not happening. So it was like the only year that I stayed without driving a race car for over like nine months. Because I was supposed to be racing in Japan, and because yeah. of COVID, they canceled it. Yeah. Um, so I was just doing my reserve driver role with Haas, And when this race, uh, when this thing happened, it was at the end of the year. And I hadn't been in, inside a race car for nine months. And, like, usually the longest I'd ever stayed without being, you know, driving a car was, like, two months. Mm. So this was the longest time I've ever been without driving anything.
1: Oh, my God. And
0: I'm driving now my first Formula One race, the most, <laughs> let's say, unprepared or unrace <laughs> fit that that's I was crazy. in my whole life. Yeah, and uh, the way it worked, like, obviously, Grosjean had the accident on Sunday. Yeah. And we didn't know how he was doing. Um so, but I always knew that there was a possibility that I might need to race. Uh, I woke up Monday morning and uh, I, I was uh, I was actually in the toilet and uh, Gunther sends me a message and he goes, I need you in the in the, in the the hospitality at the track as soon as possible. And I'm like, oh shit, I got to get ready quick and
2: <laughs> <laughs> go to the track.
0: It's like either something good or something bad's going to happen now because for him to be like, you got to yeah. come here as soon as possible. It's like, did I mess up something or... So I, I got to the track, and um, he was there waiting for me in the hospitality, um, sitting down at the table, and he had these papers on the table. And I was like, well, "Is he going to fire me, or he's going <laughs> to, you know, tell me something good here?" So I arrived, I sat down, and uh, he he would, you know, started speaking, and he was like, "Listen, um, are you ready?" And I said, uh, "What do you mean?" I said, and he goes, "Are you ready?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm ready for anything." And he goes, no, Pietro, you got to say you're fucking born ready. And I said, all right, Gunther, I'm, I'm fucking born ready. So he goes, so here are the papers, and we want you to do the, the, the final two races in, in Formula One because Roman, he's healthy and stuff, but he won't be able to do the uh, Bahrain and Abu Dhabi, and we want you in the car. And right. so I go, I sign the papers, and, and then I was in to, to drive the, the last two races. Luckily, I had Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to prepare with the team so it wasn't like a liam lawson call-up where it was you know middle of the day like you got to get in now Mm. um i had a few days to to prepare um but honestly as i said it was the longest i I hadn't been driving um but when you get in like it takes you a few laps one run and you're already back in the groove it's like if you haven't ridden a bicycle for a long time
2: yeah
0: or if you haven't played a video game that you let's say you were really good at for a long time and you start playing it again it kind of it comes back it comes back Mm uh very fast, so it came back fast, and um, we, we performed really well. Like even in Abu Dhabi, if you look at the qualifying there, uh, I was on par with uh, with Kevin uh, Magnussen at the time, and in the race as well, we, we had a good strategy. Uh, we overtook him, and we were on for a decent finish. Has had the worst car of the season that year. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had some uh, some gearbox problems that we had to do some extra pit stops. But we, you know, I got in and we had a really good performance. And I think for me, that was person that was really, really important.
2: When you walked out of hospitality that day after being given them papers, do you remember like the first person you text? Or well, you I was
0: trying to call my dad, but my dad was sleeping in the US because <laughs> my dad always works with me and my brother very closely. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was like obviously extremely excited and I was trying to call him, but it, they were in the States. So it was like super early for them. I kept trying to ring them, ring, and they wouldn't answer. And everybody that I knew was sleeping. So oh, by no. the time they woke up, it was like uh, 4 p.m. in the afternoon in Bahrain, and I already had they woke up to the news basically. Oh, yeah, so exactly. I I couldn't speak to anybody like close <laughs> to me until they woke up and already saw the news because everybody was sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> well buzzkill. Yeah, it was a bit of a buzzkill. Fucking... Like I'm trying to call some people that yeah. I know that'd be like, "Fuck, dude, I'm racing Formula One. <laughs> Nobody's awake." That's bad. <laughs> yeah.
1: How much of a of a, a kind of relationship or like how much of a, of an interest does your granddad show with what you do?
0: Yeah, so my granddad, um, you know, he's basically because he's a legend. I mean, you know it. He's yeah. when I first yeah, told my time. dad that you were coming on the pod, he was like, "What?
1: <laughs> a fit of party like that's yeah. F one royalty." Yeah,
0: yeah. So obviously, um, my grandfather in 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 racing, um, yeah, as you said, you know, as a legend, especially in in Brazil. I think he opened the doors for. Um, brazilian racing drivers in formula one because he was the first successful brazilian uh formula one driver mm. um and the first brazilian f1 uh champion and um not only him but having you know both my uncles who are involved in in racing and to have their support is like a is a massive uh privilege you know because um, i get you know messages from a lot of people and even some family friends like oh if i if i wanted to start racing what do i have to do and i always had that kind of easy to me, like, yeah. I know exactly what I need to do uh, if I want to go racing. Like, I kind of know mm-hmm. the the path in a way. Um, so to get into motorsport, it was natural. Where, like, if someone that, you know, isn't involved in motorsport, it's difficult to be like, how do I, what are the steps I need to make yeah. to get to Formula 1? To actually find that out and do it, it's hard. And I, both me and my brother had that from the beginning. So I think that, for us, was a very big help. Do you feel pressure to try and kind of live up to you know, what your granddad and your uncles did. Yeah, you know, people ask me that a lot. And for me, it's like I'm doing what I love. And mm. I'm doing it because uh, I, I want to be successful. And uh, I've always been very competitive in anything I do. Yeah. So I used to play a lot of basketball and football. And uh, I always like doing the sport because of the competition aspect of it. And for me, racing is something that I'm very good at. And I like the, the competing aspect of it. And I want to do it to, to win. So the pressure comes... From myself, because Mm. if if I'm not doing well, I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, I'm not just doing it to, you know, uh, I like racing cars and stuff. No, I want to win. So and be successful in what I'm doing. So I think the pressure is a lot more from within than from what anybody else outside can uh, can give in. That's what I, what I feel. It's
2: pretty special having like a family connection running all the way through. Because like, I mean, yeah. your brother's in F2. So yeah. he must lean on you and speak to you about stuff. Does he, he think doing? he's better than you? <laughs> <laughs> we,
0: we both think we're better than each other. So. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: we
1: need to get him on. You could both yeah. set a lap. And we've then, never, and
0: we we've never, there was the only race we did together. It was a karting race. It was a club race where they mixed two classes because he was five years younger. So we're always yeah. too big of an age difference. But it was the one race where they mixed the classes and the karts were kind of similar. And I was like, I don't know, twelve at the time and he was like seven or eight. And uh we start the race and he crashes into me, gets his <laughs> cart stuck on top of mine, and Enzo's always been super small. I mean he was eight at the time, but he was like I mean, the kid was always very small. There's pictures of him carting like he looks like a baby in the cart. <laughs> and uh it was the only race we raced against each other. We crashed, his cart was stuck on mine, I was trying to lift his cart out of mine and he was flicking me off while i was doing it like an eight, coming eight out. year old Enzo, you motherfucker <laughs> you wrecked me whatever <laughs> so that was the only race so one day i want to race him on a on a real track with the race car and then oh, we can. Uh, that would be we, so that's good. a dream actually one day to either be racing in formula one together or in indycar or something mm-hmm. that would be the ultimate dream because me and him we're, we're super close we've lived together um all the time and um, yeah, every F1 race that I'm there with Haas, I'm also there uh, trying to help him. And uh, when he's coming to my races, he's there supporting me. So that's great. Uh, yeah, we have a really strong uh, bond. Yeah, we hear a few people that say
2: the people that do the test driving and the sim work for the teams they never get the credit they deserve. <laughs> like we've got a lot of friends who've done it for other teams and stuff and we just hear that they never get the credit because you're putting in an unbelievable amount of work right in the sim and
0: yeah it is it is difficult i remember the first year with has in in 2019 i think we did uh it was like 60 to 70 days of simulator work and the simulator stuff you do is like you arrive nine in the morning and you leave at six and you have a one hour break it's like a normal job day one hour break of lunch but if you think about you're doing like six hours of driving on the simulator like Probably lap, doing like 150 laps a day, so like wow. that well, I did over close to like 10,000 laps on the simulator. So right. it was like hours, hours of pounding, and it's um yeah. And what are, you, what are very... you trying to
2: get there? What what are so, they asking
0: you for? <laughs> so the driver, you're there, you know, to give your feedback and you know do the driving. So drive as best as you can, but they're testing things um, on the car. Uh, so different setups before a race weekend. So if we're racing in Barcelona next weekend. They're going to put the base setup of what they think is best for Barcelona on the simulator. I'm going to drive it and test it. If I feel like the balance of the car can be, can be better, they're going to make those changes on the simulator to get the, the, the setup better before the race weekend even starts. Mm. And as well, if they have new parts and new things, aero parts that they want to test on the car, everything that they do nowadays, it's all simulation online, which they call like CFD. So they're able to integrate that onto the simulator. So if they're making aero gains with new parts and stuff, they're actually able to put that into the simulator Formula One car. Wow. And we're able to see the differences it does with handling and stuff. What do you use, uh, F F-123 or? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) some some iRacing here and there. (laughs) Do they
2: ever do simulator laps in the rain, in the Uh,
0: wet? No, in the rain, no, because it's so hard to simulate the rain. Oh
2: yeah, I wasn't sure whether they could simulate that. Because the
0: rain is so inconsistent. It's hard to uh, to simulate the uh, the rain and stuff, so it's uh, always always dry dry weather. You probably can't talk too much about it, yeah. but like, what is like an F1 team sim like?
1: And I know they probably vary from team to mm-hmm. team. We went to which yeah is a team, and they know they had a room probably about this size with like, kind of like it's like half a car yeah, yeah. in it, you know. And you get in, but you put the gloves on. Did we wear a helmet? I don't think we no. did. But we had, like, we had the suit, didn't we? <laughs> like we had something. Oh, yeah, we dressed up. And the screen kind of comes yeah, all the way around screen. here. And it's yeah. awesome,
0: man. It's so cool. So what's it like in a Haas sim? So we, uh, as well, use the Ferrari simulator. And oh, cool. um, what it is, it's, uh, you have the, form- so we actually have a Formula One chassis uh, on this platform. And around the platform is the screen, kind of how you set it. So you have the screen like this. You have the chassis in the middle. But our platform, instead of being fixed on the ground, it's, like, suspended on these uh, thing called actuators, uh, which are these massive beams. And you're probably, like, 10, 15 meters up in the air. So I have to climb a ladder to get in. (laughs) Oh, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, when it starts up, it lifts. And when you're going through the corners or accelerating or braking, the whole platform is either moving forward, back, or left, right, or whatever to simulate some of the... The movements that you would feel in the race car. That's I can cool. tell you, didn't do, <laughs> 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 so you know didn't do that. How how similar is it to a real car? Because you Whoa. can compare both now, because you've oh, done it. Like for a racing driver, it's a mass. It's a very good tool to, if you don't know the track, and you need to learn the track. If you do the simulator work, like you arrive a hundred percent more prepared uh, for the race weekend. Um, now if it's a track that you've gone many times already before and you've raced already there with the formula one car it's maybe not a massive gain because it's still it's similar but it's not the same as yeah the formula one car or mm-hmm. any race car what you can get from it is you get like your brake references you get you know the the apex points and stuff so kind of um the tendencies of the track but what's really good for for a driver let's say even if you know the track and the car well is uh, you use the simulator to go over the race weekend with your race engineers before the weekend even starts so you kind of do a simulation of the race weekend over the pits yeah and and, like kind of the overall strategy and what your run plan is and stuff and Uh what setup changes you might possibly do in the racetrack you do that all before you even get to the track every driver does that on the grid before most drivers do and at least with other series as well you do that as as a preparation which is good because like you, you prepare, you run through the race weekend before you get there. So when you get there, you kind of feel you're in the, the groove of in things the before you even get to FP1. Well, so you would spend
2: more time in the sim than Hulkenberg and Magnussen?
0: Yeah, Would you definitely.
2: I could be completely wrong here, but would there not be like a massive benefit in them spending a load more time in the sim and then turning up on race weekend?
0: Yeah, I, I, I guess, but I think it's more driver dependent because there's 23 race weekends in Formula 1 and they're racing every race yeah. weekend like true they can't yeah, time they can't long, sometimes but, they don't yeah. have uh enough time that's true but even for me this year with all my other racing commitments and stuff like i've been traveling it's 52 weeks of the year and 36 of the weeks i'm at a racetrack wow so it's been like non-stop like the past five weeks it was back to back racing so uh you don't get yeah. sick of it no I don't I, the more the better honestly, because I love it I, maybe yeah. at a certain point um, yeah but at, at cool. the moment it's hard to have a girlfriend because <laughs> you're traveling all the time to be honest do you have a girlfriend? no I had one uh,
2: <laughs> <end>. <laughs> I had one in Spain uh,
0: <laughs> it happens it's life you know? <laughs> but it's uh, no it was um, it was a long distance thing it's very difficult <laughs> It happens <laughs> no, it's,
1: <laughs> no it's difficult with the traveling and stuff you know yeah i hear that <laughs> um <laughs> so you're in weck now yeah you had a pretty bad crash we know about in spa um upper rouge we had jm correa on the pod and he had a terrible crash there as oh, well yeah. so it's mad to, for us to see like how many people crash in this area but what was that experience like for you and what are your thoughts on the track? I mean, should it, people think
0: it should be banned or changed or what do you think? Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's like the amount of accidents that happen in that corner. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's impressive. It's probably one of the most dangerous corners I would say in like the F1 calendar or the European racing circuits. Um, and uh, the interesting thing is I had my accident there. You know, I broke both my legs, um, but it still is my favorite racing track. Wow. And that's the, the wild thing. So, like, for me, every time I go race at spots, like, I still love it. Mm. And whether they should change the track or the corner there, which they already tried doing with moving the, the barriers back, but it's still not enough, in my opinion. Uh, whether they should just change the, the layout or whatever is is something I think they should consider. Because even without that corner, the rest of the track is still amazing. Yeah. Like, if I were to get a car or any race car and I would drive on a track... After a certain point, it would get boring if there was no competition because I'm always, you know, I really like the competition part of it. But if there's one track that I could drive any car and still have fun on my own is uh, Spa because the track is like everything just connects. It's like so enjoyable to drive. But mm. that corner at the time I was racing in uh, yeah, the World Endurance Championship with an LMP1 car, uh, which was a fast car. It had almost like a thousand horsepower and stuff. And I was out for qualifying and uh yeah going through a rouge i was going up the the corner and uh i noticed that everything in the car shut off and i lost power steering so you know how the road car when you turn it's very light mm-hmm. when the cars have power steering the steering wheel is very light um when that system fails like the car the the steering wheel becomes like a like a rock basically so the the whole system shut off wow and uh, so it I wasn't even your fault, man. No, so the car just shut off. They had an electrical issue, and I had no steering, so I went straight in the wall. And uh, I was never worried about getting in crashes, and when you see a crash coming, I never actually got scared or worried about it. But this was the first time that, like, before I hit the wall, like, in my head, I was like, fuck, dude, this is going to be big. And uh, I remember hitting the wall, and, like, I kind of... Uh, After a few seconds, I kind of uh, came back to life or whatever. I remember the door of the car opened because a prototype car, so it's a closed cockpit. The door of the car opened, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna climb out of the car." So I went to unbuckle, and when I went to climb out, I was like, "Jesus, my legs are like hurting." When I looked down, um, my legs were like my my left leg was like this. (sighs) with the bone out of the suit (laughs) and my my right ankle was like my foot was like here so i was when i looked down like all my legs were like in a z basically because what happened is when i hit the wall the front left tire came into the cockpit and just smashed uh my legs and that's when the pain started coming in. I think it's something to do with adrenaline where initially you don't really you realize, realize it. Yeah. I think I was in like a little bit of a shock. So when I went to climb out, I had no issue. Then when I looked down, I was like, oh, fuck. Because you see, I like I saw my legs. It was a compound fracture. So the, the bones uh, pierced the oh, the skin and brutal. the suit and everything. So um, it. I remember the marshals coming in and I was like, dude, my legs, my legs. And they were telling me to calm down. It took them 30 minutes to get me out of the the car because it's like the chassis was all kind of bent in and um i remember at the time like the marshal was like just hold my hand and i was like holding his hand and over time like i remember my strength going away because like initially like you're grabbing on strong and then Mm -hmm. towards Mm -hmm. the end you're just like touching the guy's hand or whatever um but i was just because i was in so much pain and i was awake throughout the whole time and uh I remember two instances where instead of blacking out, like my vision got all white. It was really weird. Like everything started whiting out it got completely white. And then my vision would come back and it happened twice. That's and scary. Yeah, it was weird. Like I, 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 I remember telling them, I was like, listen, I can't see, I can't see. But it wasn't like a blackout. It was like all white. Wow. So I think it must be something with adrenaline or, or shock with the pain. Um, but I, they finally got the car ready to get me out and... Um, I remember that as soon as they lifted me, it was like a massive pain. And then I was like, I blacked out. And then I I woke up uh, in in the hospital and they were uh, on the, what is it? The stroller bed or whatever. Stretcher. The stretcher. And I remember it was like, you know, those movies where the guy, the actor wakes up and he sees the the faces all blurry. The lights and the people talking. And man, it was like exactly the same. It was like you hear the, v- the voices kind of like yeah, in another yeah. room, but they're right there. Everything's blurry and you see the lights. Oh, my God. that's So, so it was like that. And um, and yeah, basically, they had to do surgery that night there in Belgium. Uh, because when the bones are exposed and stuff, you, if you take too long, it risks infection. Were you
1: losing a lot of blood?
0: Yeah, I was, I was losing blood, but it was, it was controllable. Yeah. Um, but basically, they had to do surgery that night. Because if you leave it open, it's like... You, you can risk infection and then it's a problem. So then they put uh yeah, I still have the, the rod on this leg with uh, two screws here and here. And then on my right ankle, they had to reconstruct it, which is more difficult. Um, so they, they did it with like, uh, there's some some plates and seven screws. And, um, and yeah, but then from there, the, the guy had told me I was only going to be back racing in a year. The the surgeon told me, and I had a I was racing IndyCar at the time. I had some opportunities in IndyCar. And uh, actually, I, I still hadn't signed with Haas. I was going to do a test for them in July, and the accident was in May. And obviously, I couldn't do the test. But I had car races to do. And uh, I actually flew back to the States, to Indianapolis, uh, because Indianapolis have the best rehab doctors for um, racing. Yeah. And uh, I lived in a in motorhome inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with my mom because they have a medical center there. And um, I stayed there for... Uh, two months in the motorhome and doing rehab and physical therapy every day. There in the track with all the doctors and stuff. And uh, two and a half months after my accident, I went back racing uh, IndyCar. Wow. My bone was still uh, broken, but I had this contract in IndyCar, and I didn't want to give up the races. So Just taped it up, bro. They put the doctor is there. He um, his name's Doctor Tremel. He's like a legendary IndyCar doctor. He took care of Nelson P.K. and like a bunch of drivers. And um, we made this carbon fiber brace for my leg to protect my left leg. Wow. And uh, when I would go do my race, uh, because I was still under pain because the bone wasn't healed, they would give me these pain shot, this pain shots, uh, painkillers. It's called Toradol. Uh, just to kind of help my yeah, leg yeah. and numb it. And uh, I did four IndyCar races. Yeah, two and a half months after my accident. Wow. Had my best IndyCar finishes in the top ten. I couldn't even break... Properly. I was gonna
2: say, how did you break? Dude, it, that would have really Yeah, hurt no, it was, time. it was hurting.
0: Honestly, it was hurting. I was breaking at like seventy percent of the pressure. I, I should have. Maybe it was a bit too soon, but doing well in IndyCar, it, um, in those races, it, uh, I, I then got the chance to, to do the test with Haas at the end of that year. Mm. It was supposed to be in July. Yeah. I had my accident, and I was always keeping Gunther up to date and stuff. And I said, uh, listen, I'm back in IndyCar now. This is the proof. Like I've finished in the top 10 and stuff, and like I'm doing well. And he's like, great, let's put you in the car then at the end of the season. So I think if I wouldn't have done those races, I wouldn't have gotten the chance with Haas. Mm. And um, and I didn't tell Gun. still. By the time I did the test in Abu Dhabi at the end of the year, my leg still wasn't healed. I didn't want to tell him that because the testing in Formula 1 is so valuable. You don't want to risk a guy that's... Yeah. Uh, not ready to do it and put him in the car and waste those those miles so i didn't tell him at the time and when i did my seat fit and stuff with the f1 car um i wasn't wearing the brace or anything so i was just doing it normal but then the day of the test i put the brace under my suit and uh, hoping that nobody would notice and i got in the car and uh and i drove and the only time i got out of the car was to go eat lunch at half day no one knew Nobody knew because I put it under the suit. So if you look at the photos of me from that first test in 2018, if you look at my left leg, there's like this bulky thing. <laughs> and that's i like
1: I, your style mate. I, bro, your I was, style. i'm
0: not gonna miss a formula one no. test because he might think i'm not ready so i wasn't mm. gonna tell them that my leg wasn't healed yet
1: that's commitment I like so then
0: I, I i did it and i still haven't i never uh got the subject back with him but i never actually told him that i was oh, still maybe racing with the brakes yeah that. one day yeah. <laughs> that's sick. i'll send him the video but yeah sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do you gotta you know? do what you gotta do i respect yeah. that a lot it yeah. worked
2: out as the right thing to do though
0: no it worked out because if i would have waited till the end of the year yeah. I would have lost the opportunity in IndyCar, and then the Haas Formula One thing would have been then for Could've the next, and then you yeah. never know what would have happened. Yeah. Mm. So.
2: Well, yeah, mate, thank you very much for sharing us. That uh, story. Mm. I think it's now time we uh, <laughs> it's time? get you on the fastest right. lap. Sounds good. So, you're going to have a couple of practice laps, okay. and then you'll set three laps, and three we'll laps. take
0: the best time. Cool. And then we'll add you to the board. So. Sounds good. Let's... Do you think you can beat Brad? Oh, man. You gotta, you gotta believe it to make he's it happen, right? <laughs> <He was quick. laughs> Let's, hit Let's it. do it. So Pietro's <laughs> on the sim. He did just make a comment.
1: He said, "Dude, are these pedals meant to be like that?" I said, They're "Yep." Flying, man. That's the They're gag.
0: Flying. Look at that. That's the
1: pit <laughs> stop. <star laughs> <star laughs> <guy. laughs> Need some improvisation over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get when you come on pit stop. <laughs> we know he's friends with Brad Benavides. Are they gonna be mates after he spanks <laughs> him? Let's
0: see. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get some beef going, bro. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, yeah, you guys can scrap it out in the car park later. It's quite interesting watching these pros do it, right? Because when we do it, we've got full traction on. Yeah, we can—you can just second gear around the corner, fly out. You ain't gonna spin out, but these guys are driving like
0: realistically. It's weird.
2: Oh, this might be quite a good lap.
0: Uh, I got track this on this one.
2: That's right. Don't worry about it. You should have seen Brad Benavides. <laughs> <laughs> Brad on the grass. Brad went on the grass. <laughs> Are you changing gears instinctively, or do you have to think about it? Instinctively. That's crazy. You get used to it, you know. Could we have someone close to the top of the leaderboard here? Have a look at that leaderboard. What do you think, Fabs? I think it's looking pretty damn good, but we'll see. Especially considering Matt Gallagher uses a sim every, every day. day. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, you <laughs> saw that, didn't you? He's just seen the screen and I've just seen the screen. What
0: did it say? Is
2: it P1? Okay, sit <laughs> down. Okay,
0: Pietro. How we doing? You've <laughs> <laughs> definitely seen it. How do you think he did? I don't know, honestly. I. <laughs> I think I did pretty decent, pretty decent.
2: I will say, all three laps you did were very good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all very good, they were all so close. So, where would you be happy with?
0: Um, uh, honestly, I don't know. Anywhere in the top three. Well, first, obviously, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: This is a big moment. <laughs> Pietro Fittipaldi, you did the pit stop fastest lap In a one, oh
0: five. Okay, okay. Which does
2: bring us
0: near the top. Yeah, it's near the top. That's top four. That's top four.
2: In a
0: one oh five, four eight. Four eight, bro. There you go, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, boy. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) can computer.
2: Yeah. Oh! I have to admit, every time I set one of these things off, I, know, I never, oh. Oh, oh, <laughs> <The laptop. laughs> oh, I never
0: think Look about it. His
2: laptop! Oh my god!
0: Look at the roof! <laughs> Look at the wall!
2: It was worth it. Well, Must. it was worth it, bro. It was worth it. Mate, that is <laughs> mega. That is absolutely oh, wow. mega. They legends were thank rapid you man. Laps. every <laughs> single lap was in the 105s every single one of your laps won Ev- all three of the laps were quicker than brad's
0: that's crazy that man. is absolutely insane <laughs> it was my I, I got used to the pedals quick you know that's why <laughs> <laughs> well there we have it
2: Someone new at the top of the pit stop first <laughs> lap. That looks unbelievable. How long did
0: the original
1: record hold? Oscar was first for a good eight months. Really? And he was wow. the first person He was the here. first guest on, so he only had us to beat. Wow. And he just went in straight away, did it, like, didn't really give a yeah. shit. A lot of these guys have, like, quite a few practice laps. Really? You only had a few. So. <laughs> yeah, you did
2: have a lot less. I just can't believe all three of the laps beat Brad. That is insane. That's <laughs> oh
0: bonkers, mate. That's bonkers. That's crazy. Do you think someone could easily beat you? They were definitely good they laps. They were good laps. Yeah, they were good laps, so... I don't
2: know. <laughs> I, I noticed you you race with you race with glasses I'm I was right. gonna
0: say? Yeah, yeah. So I race with glasses. Uh, so in the race car, I use glasses as well. Do you? I what, used to wear contacts before, but they're too difficult with endurance racing because you're getting out of the car and getting back in. If I need to like change my contacts with like dirty hands, I uh, I change the glasses. Oh wow! So that you yeah. wear them underneath the helmet? Yeah. Wow, that's mad. I know. That's cool though. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I've always, I've always. Uh, where the only time it gets difficult is if it gets like foggy and stuff in the pit lane but once you go out like the wind starts blowing it's all right you can still
2: see far enough ahead yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <that's> handy, <laughs> for
0: today's episode we mm-hmm. asked our listeners to send in a couple of questions
2: so we we'll yeah. just finish with some questions from our listeners jamie fellon has said what's the scariest moment you've ever had in your career
0: so yeah i would say the scariest moment was uh, from my crash in 2018 just being inside the car and Seen my legs all twisted and stuff, yeah, and blood and bone, and yeah, that was uh, for sure the scariest moment. What about? No, actually, no. Oh, there's another, the, the other scariest moment was when I was out of the race car, and I was still there as a Haas Reserve driver. It was in Saudi Arabia. My brother was racing Formula Two, and he had his worst accident of his life, and it happened right in front of me. It was on the start, Tail Porcher stalled, and Enzo hit him full on. And, um, and I was there on the pit wall, so I was able to see everything. Um, and I, I only saw him getting in the ambulance, so I didn't know what state he was in. But his car, like, the pedals were all smashed, like, all the way up to the knees. So I said, dude, this guy, his legs are cooked. Like, similar to what happened to Juan, like, I was, like, on, I think his legs are, like, mangled. So that was the scariest moment, because I hadn't wow. seen him yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And luckily, he only shattered, he only broke his heel.
2: Well, so that was all geez, right. But that was boy. a scare.
0: Because it wasn't me, you know, if it's, if it's me, but if it's my brother, it was like, That's Jesus, crazy, I man. have no control of anything. So,
2: Matilda Beard has said, what is your first thought after a bad race?
0: Ah, you're just pissed and disappointed. The yeah. Monday and Tuesday after a bad race is always terrible. And then by Wednesday, you're okay. And by Thursday, you're on to the next one
2: (laughs) yeah you got to move on pretty quick from it really haven't you
0: yeah you got to move on fast yeah i guess it would also
2: depend on why it was a bad race like if it was your fault if it wasn't your fault
0: yeah if it was my fault and it was clear where i can improve then sometimes it's like a bit painful but like you know that it can be better um if it was something that was out of your control that took away like a podium or a win then it's like it, I think it hurts even more.
2: Mufa I can't announce that. I have no idea how it <laughs> says. They say, "What does an average day look like when you're helping the team in the factory?" So if you're turning up at the factory, you like you said, you get there at nine a.m. and you're on yeah. The sim usually, most if of the day. I'm
0: ever at the factory, it's um or because the simulator we use, it's in Ferrari, so we go to the oh, Ferrari yeah. factory. So if I'm ever there, it's to use a simulator, and it's like you're from nine to five, nine to six on the sim, stop for lunch, and uh, good food there. Dude, there's the the food at the Ferrari factory is not good. My <laughs> <laughs> honestly, and I was thinking Italy, like it would yeah, be great yeah, food, yeah, yeah. but the food there, at, for whatever reason, the in the factory there, it is not. It's so not those very boil boiling the bag pastas or bro. The pot it's just <laughs> like very plain. It's very plain, and there's really good restaurants around there. Yeah, and the, the food there is not so. It's not very motivating, but <laughs> sorry. Tracy MN has said, "What's your favorite
2: country to race in?" But you said you love Spa. Would you say that?
0: So. Spa as a racetrack, um, and then as a like, let's say, as the town and stuff. I really like uh, Austin, Texas. It's a fun. It's a fun. We're town. desperate to go. Out yeah, there it's for really that. fun. Got we'll that coming up in the next month. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a really fun city.
2: I'd love to go out there, get on the back of one of them bull things.
1: Yeah, the I barbecue wanna, there too. I, I, that's what I was gonna say, bro. I just want the barbecue.
0: Well, there's a place called Terry Black's Barbecue. I go there every year. Yeah. It's in the the city center amazing fuck the racing i'm just going for the ribs brisket steak that's
1: where it's at yeah O-6 i was joking Finn. by the way
2: oh six fin 21 said do you ever talk to yourself when you're driving the car Yeah, i think when you're pissed off yeah do you
0: like you start kind of cussing at yourself <laughs> like you're kind of like dude what the fuck are you doing like stuff like yeah. that you know like in, yeah. in your head um uh but yeah I think the worst is sometimes like if you're pissed at something and by accident you have the radio open because sometimes the radio is a latch-on button so you don't have to hold it. You click it and it latches open. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you forget and you start saying some shit and the team is hearing God, you. And Gunther's like, a dick, man. Gunther's <laughs> a <Yeah. Yeah. laughs>
2: uh, Final question from Zoe Develinka has said, favorite F1 driver from your childhood?
0: My favorite F1, gi- uh, favorite F1 driver from my childhood? Man, I would say uh, Fernando Alonso.
2: Let's go. That's his favorite as well.
0: Yeah, the king. Overall, man. bro, the, the guy king. Is good, the yeah.
1: king. The guy needs more than two championships. Yeah, he does. I, I know he, had he it, deserves isn't? more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he is
2: the king. Ah, oh, Pietro, mate. mate. Thank you so much for coming no, in today. You. It's
1: been an honor. I can't believe we got your name on the
2: board.
1: <laughs> I can't believe you fucking topped it. It's just like, wow. This is going to be a big cleanup job. Yeah, this is going to yeah, be Yeah, good luck you. with that, guys. <laughs> do you know what happened last time he done this? He kind of
0: ran the hoover around here and it was still everywhere. For about a month. Yeah. Jesus, bro. Yeah, but anyways, honestly, guys, thanks uh, so much for having me. It was very fun. Next time I'll come on with, uh, with Enzo. Yeah. See if he can sure. be my time. We'll go karting. We'll too. do the karting. So uh, thank you very much, and yeah. congrats on everything you guys uh, are achieving as well. It's uh, really cool to see your channel grow so much. So it's awesome. Thank you so much. Bro. it means a lot. Thanks, man. Appreciate thank you. it. Appreciate Cheers, it. Man. Mate. Thank
2: you. Thanks for watching. Goodbye. Yes, bro. Ah. Yes, thank you so much. Let's go.